0: Some of you are excited about football, I can tell. Yeah, come on, come on, yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I've had an awesome weekend. I, I traveled to Ohio this weekend and did an event with Gravity uh, Leadership and, uh, and, and got to be back home with my family, so I got some nephew time with my nephews. Um, Ohio right now is better than Atlanta. I'm just gonna throw that out there. There are a few times when I say that, but right now, Ohio, it's like the fall in Ohio. Uh, they have that season there. Uh, and and it's sweatshirt weather. Oh, it's amazing. It was, so I had a great week. Um, I have, I, I've been doing for the last seven days a detox where I can't eat anything fun and uh, I can't drink Coke Zeros. And if you know me, uh, I drink a lot of Coke Zeros. So if I say weird things or something happens, it's just because of the detox today. It's because I don't, I don't know what's going on. Uh, I I have had a a hard week of like really wanting sugar. Uh, My wife works at a bank and she said, there has never been a moment in the 20 years that I've worked at a bank where I've wanted to eat a sucker until this week. And every time I walk past those suckers, I just want the sugar. Um, So we might be a little addicted to sugar. Uh, Tomorrow's my son's 15th birthday, Caden turns 15. Uh, So we're celebrating that today, excited about that. He's such a big boy. and uh, we're, we're excited about uh, this weekend. Lots of fun stuff going on at the church. I'm so excited about two services, guys. Uh, so excited about that happening. I was texting a friend this morning who said, I've been wanting to come to your church forever, but I, I have to work at 11 every week. And I was like, September 8th, my friend, 9 o'clock, you can be here. And he was like, I'll be there. I'll be there and ready to go. Um, I'm so excited about Encounter Grace today. Uh, if you are new, we'd love to connect with you there. Um, And then we've got a bunch of new folks coming and hanging out tonight, like lots of good stuff happening. Cecile's going to tell you guys about some prayer stuff that we're doing tonight. Um, Today is a really good day for Grace Marietta. There's lots of great stuff happening. Uh, And I want to continue the series that we started, I don't know, four or five weeks ago. Um, We've been walking through the book Love Over Fear. If you do not have a copy of that, we've got those uh, at the Welcome Center and you can pick one up. I would love for every person in this room to read this book. It's a terrific book. Um, And we found really great conversations, our house churches, I'm hearing from the house churches that there's been great conversation in the house churches about the book and about the material that we've been teaching through. And we've been walking through how do we love enemies in a polarized world? Um, How do we get out of the us versus them mentality? And so today I want to spend a little bit of time on that idea of the us versus them thinking in our culture. Uh, it's kind of all over the place, isn't it? I mean, you cannot really watch the news or turn on your social media without seeing these kind of polarization, these us versus them um, kind of things flowing out of everybody. And and there's parts of it that's, that's silly, and then there's parts of it that is really like terrifying. Are you with me? Um, I, I, like Tater said, I'm, I'm an Ohio State football fan. I'm sorry. I grew up in Ohio. There's nothing else to do in Ohio. It's the only thing we've got is a, is a good football team. And so it's the only thing we care about. And, and so because I'm an Ohio State football team, um, one of my enemies is, is the University of Michigan and everything that happens there, um, just, in, just anything that goes on in Ann Arbor. Uh, and, and so there's this kind of, you, you grow up, like we grew up where you don't actually say the word Michigan at certain times of the year. You have to say that team up north. Um, there's songs that they teach you as a child um, with curse words in it that you sing about Michigan that my father taught me when I was like six. Um, like, like there's all of these different things that we learned. and, and it's, uh, I think sports is a funny way for us to recognize us versus them thinking. Um, so here's what happens with your sports team, and, and your sports team has a rival, right? Um, everybody has a rival. If, you, if you're really a fan of a team, you've got a rival. And so uh, what we do with our rival is anything that happens on your rival's team is evil. And anything that happens on your team is okay, right? So if a kid from Michigan gets a DUI, it's like, what are they doing over there? They're just all these criminals they're bringing in? Like, can you believe... This is happening like what is going on at this school they're recruiting these terrible kids they don't care about grades they don't care about academics like could you believe that they're letting this happen and if ohio state has a kid that gets a dui we say well you know he's young when you're in college you make mistakes like things happen you know like he probably the police officer was probably wrong like he, he Those breathalyzers, those work about 3% of the time is what I've been told. Like you come up with all of these stories and all of these things to justify that your team is always the good guy and the other team is always the bad guy. Are you with me? We, uh, We went to, I was in college and we went to an Ohio State football game at Indiana, which was always kind of funny because the whole stadium was filled with Ohio State fans. Um, it was like their program was just kind of cute at that time. We just kind of like, you're not going to beat us. We're going to fill up your stadium. And, and so I went to college in Indiana. We went to the game at Indiana, and there's just all these Ohio State fans. And it's me and all of my buddies from college that are all big Ohio State fans. And we show up and we sit down next to this older couple. Um, wearing all Michigan gear. And my buddy right away says, uh-oh, you're in trouble. That's what he says to, the, to this old man that's sitting beside us. Uh, and as the game goes on, this guy was the nicest guy in the world. Like, he bought us drinks, he, he, he talked to us the whole time. He was super friendly. He laughed about the rivalry, and he talked about it. And I'll never forget, he went to, like, the bathroom at one point in, in, the, in, the, in the game, and my buddy looked at me, and he was like, man, I hate it when Michigan fans turn out to be humans. <laughs> Like I hate it when they're nice because it ruins my like my 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 scapegoating of them and my 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 naming them as 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 bad people. I, I we this us versus them thinking. It's silly in the sports world, but it's not in other areas of our life. We scapegoat people groups. We tell stories about certain people in our lives. We, we learn to, to name things without actually knowing people, and all of these things stir up this polarization that runs so deep in our culture. Uh, Robert Dunbar, who's an anthropologist, says this, and I cannot believe this is true, but he says that he studied it. He says 65% of our conversations are about the evil deeds of others that we don't like. 65% of our conversations... Are about what others are doing wrong about what we don't like in others about we what we don't see that's like us in others and and what God does is he always brings us back to evaluating our us versus them uh, here, here's what God always brings us back to he brings us back to the imago day. This idea that we are all created in the image of God, that the image of God runs through every person that we meet at any place, even Michigan fans. It runs through all of us. That the image of God is implanted in everybody. So there is never a person that you come across that is not an image bearer of the Most High God. There's never a person that you interact with, that person who drives you crazy. Right, That person who is the most annoying person in the world, they are an image bearer of the Most High God, and God created them and made him, and they were created for him and by him. And and here's the thing, we looked at this last week. There are things that God hates, but God doesn't hate the people that he created. There are things that God stands against, but he does not stand against people. God does not choose sides. He chooses people over and over and over again. And we're going to talk about that today. I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 6. If you got your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. And it says this, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against one another. We don't wrestle against the other image bearers of God. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities, against the principalities and the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We don't wrestle with one another. What we wrestle with is principalities and powers. What we wrestle against is social structures. Walter Wink says what we wrestle against is social dynamics that pull us apart. So we talked about last week, anything that God hates is what unmakes love. So what we wrestle against is anything that unmakes love. Anything that undoes the love that he brings to his creation is what he hates. And so our war, believe it or not, is not against one another. It's against the principalities and the powers of this world that are trying to demean and destroy and unmake the good things that God created ever since the fall. God has been trying to put back together what's been broken in this world and in his people. And we join him in that. We are a people of reconciliation. We are ambassadors for God. We stand in the gap for one another. We speak the truth in love and grace. And we continually stand against anything that unmakes love without standing against each other. Does that make sense? So, so a lot of times people will come to me or come to the church and they'll ask us, what's your stance on dot, dot, dot? And, and really, it's a loaded question. And we don't even understand that it's a loaded question, but it's a loaded question because what people are trying to do is they're trying to get us to choose sides, All right? So the question is like, what's your stance on immigration? What's your stance on the gay and lesbian community? What's your stance on Trump lovers, What's your stance on Trump haters? What's your stance on Black Lives Matter? What's your stance on Antifa? What's your stance on insert any other people group here? And what they're trying to do when they do this is is they're trying to decide, are we, this church, a part of their tribe? Are we in your corner? Are we your people? Are we your group? Are we the ones that you stand for and against? And they're trying to get everyone to choose sides. Now, believe it or not, people have been trying to get religious leaders to do this since the beginning of time. Believe it or not, people tried to get Jesus to do this. Let's look at Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. Jesus is pretty cool. His answers to those questions are better than mine. So here's what happens. Luke 13, Jesus is teaching. Some people come to him and begin to ask him questions. And they're asking him questions about whatever would have been on CNN at the time. Or Fox News. Choose your, whichever one makes you happy. Right? It, it, they're, it's whatever was on the news at that time is what they're bringing to him. And they're asking Jesus to choose sides, and I love Jesus' response. It says, there were some present at the very time who told him about the Galileans, right? Jesus, what do we do about these Galileans, right? What, where, what's your stance on the Galileans, Jesus, these Terrible Galileans! So I got it. I don't know what's going on with the Galileans, but somebody's fired up about the Galileans. So he, they told him about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled in their sacrifices. And he answered them, and he said, do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than any of the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, but I tell you this, unless you repent, you will likewise perish. They're trying to get Jesus to choose a side between Pilate and Galileans. Who are you gonna choose, Jesus? This side or this side? And Jesus doesn't choose a side on either of those people. What Jesus does is he says, I want you to repent. He pushes the call to choose sides back to a call for personal repentance, back to a call for personal discipleship, back to an idea. He says, I want you to examine your hearts. Scripture is filled with passages that talk about us evaluating our hearts and stop looking at everybody else's hearts. Then it goes on. It says, what about the 18 who in the to- when the Tower of Siloam fell, it killed them? Do you think they were worse offenders than others who lived in Jerusalem? So the Tower of Siloam sat in the middle of kind of a, uh, a, an, an opening Um, Where the city kind of opened up and in the middle of it there was a fountain is this is the fountain Remember the fountain that bubbles up and people would try and climb into the fountain to get healed There's a tower there and apparently at one point this tower fell over and landed on a bunch of the the poor like hurting people Who were trying to get healed in the fountain and so they're saying like what's What what do you think on that? Like, what about those people? How do we treat the poor? How do we treat the destitute? How do we treat these people who have nowhere else to go? Like, what do you think of that? And, And did God not love them? Is that why the tower fell? What's going on there? And he says, no, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will likewise perish. He never chooses sides against his image bearers. He calls us back to personal repentance. Now now, here, some of you are feeling uncomfortable, so let me say this. This doesn't mean that we don't speak truth. There are plenty of times where Jesus speaks the truth. There are plenty of times where Jesus tells people what he believes. In fact, Jesus over and over again says to people, repent and believe, repent and believe. Over and over again, he calls people back to personal repentance. But what he doesn't do is choose sides against people. What he doesn't do is battle and and buy in to the false polarization of us versus them. John chapter 1 says this. It says, Jesus was full of both grace and truth. Which means everything he ever said was true, and everything he ever said was full of grace. What we do is we choose truth or grace. I'm going to use truth right now, and I'm going to use grace later. And so we step out of our truth so that we can use grace, and we step out of our grace so that we can use truth. Jesus embodied grace and truth at every moment, and so there was never a moment where he wasn't speaking what was true, but also communicating what was in grace. What we do is we step in and out of grace and truth. And there's moments where we use truth as a weapon to fight and to attack. And there's moments we use grace as a manipulative tool to get people to do what we want. Jesus was never manipulative. He was never controlling. And there are some passages, it's interesting, because there are some passages in Scripture where it does talk in the Old Testament about God standing against certain people groups. Let's hear this. The Bible is clear that the Moabites are bad. They were not allowed to dwell among God's people. That's in Deuteronomy chapter 23. But then, later on in Scripture, came the story of Ruth, who is what? A Moabite, which challenged everyone's prejudice against the Moabites. The Bible is clear that people from Uz, UZ, which is a really cool place, Uz, are evil. In Jeremiah 25, it says that. But then came a man named Job. Where was Job from? Uz. And he was the most blameless man in the world. The Bible is clear that foreigners and eunuchs weren't allowed into the temple. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 23. But then came the story in Acts chapter 8 of the African eunuch and Philip who is welcomed into the church and is the first non-Jew who's baptized in the early church. The Bible is clear that God's people hated Samaritans, but then Jesus tells a story that shows us that all Samaritans aren't bad. The story may begin with prejudice. It may begin with discrimination. It may begin with animosity, but the Spirit of God always moves people towards openness, welcomeness, inclusion, acceptance, affirmation, love, grace. It pulls us back together. If Jesus is not challenging your assumptions about other people, you are not walking with him. We're just not walking with him if he's not challenging our assumptions about it. I, I, uh, when I was in college, I, I had a friend who I grew up with and she went to college with me and she started dating this guy and I hated this guy. Um, the reason I hated this guy was because I played basketball with him once. And uh, I played basketball with him one time, and this was this was 20 years ago. So back in that time, I could actually play, and and this guy was one of those guys who he would shoot the ball every time down the court, and I wanted to win all the time, like I I don't I I don't I don't I still I have a little bit of thing in me that's like. I got a little too competitive playing Uno with my five-year-old nephew this week. Like, like I, I wanna win. My kids are not gonna beat me in sports until they can beat me, right? I, there's no like, oh, buddy, you're near. No, I wanna beat them up until they, it hasn't happened yet, uh, and when it does, I'll retire. But, but until then, like, I, I, I wanna win, and so I, I'm playing basketball with this guy, and I'm like, give me the ball, like, I can score. Um, which is what good players should do, Caden. Give me the ball, let me go score. Uh, I'm going to go take it. And, and Ja'Cory, you know. Uh, and, and, uh, and this guy would not pass the ball. We played, we played like four games in a row where he would dribble down. There'd be like five people guarding him and he'd shoot from three steps behind the three-point line while I was standing wide open on the wing. And I, I, at the end of the night, I just walked off the floor. Like I just got so mad at the game that I was just like, I'm done. I'm, I'm walking off the floor, I'm done. And so here's what happened. This girl who I... Knew from growing up and I kind of had a protective like brothering instinct for her. She started dating this guy and I was like, oh no, you're not, right? He is a terrible human being. He is awful. He is, there's so many things that are wrong with this guy. He is probably a murderer. Like he is, there's, I, I, when, here's what I did. I played two basketball games with this guy and I wrote a story about his whole life. And so I sat down with her, and I was like, I don't think you should be dating this guy. He's, he is bad news. And she was like, you don't even know him. She said, you're mad at him because he didn't pass you the ball. <laughs> I was like, well, maybe. She said, come to dinner with me, and let's just go to dinner together. So we went to dinner, and he was the nicest guy, and he's just not a very good passer. <laughs> right? But this is what we do. We, we, we see people at their worst, or we see people at a bad moment in their lives, and we write a whole script about what their whole life looks like. We write all of these stories. I, anytime I encounter somebody that's angry or frustrated, my dad was telling me a story this week that he pulled into the gas station and some guy just started cussing him out like crazy, and, 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 and he was like, it was so irritating. I said, Dad, did you just imagine that that might have been that guy's worst day of his life? Like, who knows what's going on in people's lives? But in these moments, what we do is we write a script. Um, Brene Brown, who studies um, shame and psychology, has this great statement that my wife and I use in our marriage over and over and over and again. And it is, the story I'm telling myself right now is, will you help me to know what's true? And so, um, this last night, I'll give you an example. Uh, I've been traveling all week. Uh, I we we added up the amount of time that I have taught this week and this is this is now my 13th hour of teaching this week Um, And i'm an introvert and I don't even want to hear myself talk anymore, right? Like I i'm just worn out and so I was in ohio. I was teaching there I was in snellville earlier in the week teaching with our residents Um, I've been bouncing back and forth doing all of this stuff And so I flew home late last night so I could get here in time to preach and I was just exhausted like, I walked in the door last night just like, I don't know, like there's moments when you feel tired, and then there's moments when you just, your body feels tired. Are you with me? Like, I just was like, my body had said, that's enough, Ben, and could you get me some sugar? Right? That's what, that's what was going on <laughs> in that moment. And I was just worn out, and so I walked into the house, and, and, uh, and my wife was like sitting in the back room, and, and I, I don't know, guys, I'm sensitive sometimes. Is it all right for me to say that? Like, I wanted my wife to jump up and come and give me a kiss and tell me that she missed me. And she was just sitting there. (laughs) And I was like, I know that say yes to the dress is not more important than me, right? Like, And and she just kind of sat there and sat there and sat there. And I was, so I'm telling myself all of these stories. Here's the stories that are going on in my head. Here's the script that's going on in my head. She doesn't care about me. She doesn't appreciate the work that I do. She doesn't care that I worked all week so that we could get another paycheck. She doesn't care about all this stuff. She doesn't even see the work that I'm doing. She doesn't know all this stuff. And I'm starting to get steamed up, right? I'm starting to get worked. I'm stomping up the steps with my suitcase. I finally go downstairs. I sit down beside her and I say, hey, I'm home. (laughs) And she said, honey, I am so sick right now. And uh, my 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 wife has MS, and she said, my MS has been flaring up really bad this week, and I'm exhausted, and I'm tired, and I don't have any energy, and I just have nothing left to give right now. And so here's what's going on. She's telling herself a story about me as well. He's off having fun all week with his family, playing Uno with his nephews. He's doing all of these different things, and then he comes into the door and starts stomping around, and we're both telling stories about ourselves without actually having a conversation. Married couples in the room, one of the greatest statements you can say to each other is the story I'm telling myself right now is dot, 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 and then listen (laughs) to what's true. But the sad thing is we don't just do this in our marriages. We do this all over the place. We make short judgments of people based on one interaction. We name us versus them because of things that have happened in our past. And and here's the truth. Some of you have some woundedness and pain that's in your life because you've been hurt by a certain person or a certain people group or something's happened to you that's caused you pain. And what God is always pushing us towards is... Naming what's real. It's what we talked about the very first week. Getting beneath the surface. Paying attention to our motives and motivations. Paying attention to our own prejudice and bias and frustration. Paying attention when we start to name or say things about other people that aren't true. God is always pushing us internally to evaluate ourselves. That's what discipleship is. Discipleship is me giving every area of my life to Jesus and asking him to transform it every moment. So everybody got a little form today when you came in. Uh, it's a little tool that I want us to kind of work through uh, in the next week. Um, and, and it kind of helps us get beneath the surface. And, and here's what happens. We, we have these perceived enemies. There's a little monster right there. We have these perceived monsters in our life. And, and I actually want you this week, this is your homework. I'm giving homework this week. You can do it. I believe in you. Uh, I want you this week to dive into this a little bit, and I want you to write down who are some of your perceived enemies. Maybe it's some of those groups that I just named off a minute ago that you want to choose sides against and fight against. Maybe it's a specific person. You've got a name. It's the guy that I played basketball with that doesn't pass. Uh, and, And here's what we do oftentimes with our enemies. We've got two actions that we can take. One is that we go over here and we attack. Um, I'll just be honest about my attacking. Um, I, you, you may be surprised on this, but I'm not much of a fighter. Uh, I, 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 I'm more, I have the body of a reader. Uh, I, like I'm, I, 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 but I will attack with words because I can beat you with words. Like I'm pretty confident that in most conversations, I can win that argument. Like I can duke it out and I can eventually get to a place where I will... I will morally prove that what I'm saying is true, or I will get to a place where I can use sarcasm. I'm really good with sarcasm. I'm snarky sometimes. I apologize. My wife will always correct me when I'm snarky when I'm preaching. She's like, hey, you're a little snarky. Sorry. I do that sometimes, and I don't mean to. It just flows out of me. I'm passive aggressive. Uh, I, I, I will occasionally, and I used to a lot more in my life, but I'll occasionally use gossip. I'll say something about someone else to feel better about myself. It's usually not a real person, but it's like a, those big church pastors, look what they do over there, those, you know, whatever, I, I, some kind of characterization of somebody else or something like that. Um, and so that, that's how I attack. Um, I, I want you to pay attention this week to how you attack. Like, what, what is it that you attack? Um, can I just say that um, maybe there's some of you in the room who use social media to attack? That was a little snarky, wasn't it? Uh, the, maybe social media is a way. Like I, when we get on social media right now, I just see attack after attack after attack after attack on social media. And what happens is um, somebody posts something, somebody else posts the contrary thing to that thing, people choose sides and they like and then they duke it out in the comments section and nobody's ever transformed. Uh, I've yet to come in contact with somebody that was like, you know what, I was a Republican and then I got on Facebook and now I'm a Democrat. I was, I was a Democrat and then I got on Facebook and now I'm a Republican. Like you are, the chances of you persuading someone to change their political party on Facebook, I'm just gonna throw it out there. I would say it's about .00001%. It's not working. Um, in fact, we've got this belief in our mind that attacking on social media, it feels good sometimes. It's like my kids, like, sending a text to somebody. I'm always telling them, like, you, those, those are, like, real words. that's a real person on the other end of that. Um, and it feels good to do it sometimes, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it doesn't actually do anything or accomplish anything. It just makes us feel better. Um, so the other thing that we do is we come over here and we just avoid. We just sit it out. Like, I'm... I'm just not gonna deal with that person. I'm gonna put my head in a hole and not deal with that. My wife is, is a peacemaker in a lot of different ways and I'm a people pleaser in a lot of different ways. And so together the two of us can avoid it in a lot of ways because she wants to keep the peace and I want everybody to love me and so we never talk about what's really real and what needs to be talked about. And sometimes that's what we do. We, we, we just move into places where there's a conversation that needs to be had, there's something that needs to be discussed, but we just are sitting it out and avoiding what really needs to be done. And, and, and the challenge for us, so I want you to pay attention to what are the ways that I attack? What are the ways that I avoid? And then I want you to ask the question, what's a way that I could move towards affection? What's a way that I could move towards love to my perceived enemy or enemies I would love it if some of y'all started baking this week and took some cookies to some enemies I would love it if some of you invited some people that drive you crazy over for dinner or out for coffee Um, I would love it if the next time you see something on social media that sets you off like crazy rather than fighting it out in the comment section you call somebody and say hey I'm really interested in what you're saying about this. I don't agree with it, but I would love to sit down and talk about this. Could we have a conversation? This is snarky, but that's what humans do, right? I'm always telling my kids, be with the humans, (laughs) right? Like put the devices down and be with the humans. Um, So how do you avoid, how do you attack, and what creates affection? Go to the Father. The Holy Spirit is incredibly creative, and the Holy Spirit is always moving and always speaking. We just think it's our, it's our idea. And so like a few weeks ago, um, my kids were talking and they were like, I just didn't hear God speak this week. You didn't hear God speak? What do you mean? Was there a moment in your week where you showed compassion for somebody? Was there a moment where you showed kindness for somebody? Was there a moment where you did something nice? And, and one of the boys said, yeah, I gave money to a kid at lunch who didn't have money and, and I paid for his lunch. And I was like, who told you to do that? He said, I did. I said, no, the Holy Spirit told you to do that, right? The Holy Spirit is the voice in our head that's always pushing us towards each other. It's always pushing us towards reconciliation. It's always pushing us towards love. And so the Holy Spirit is infinitely creative in ways that we can show affection to one another. And can I just say this? God wants peace, shalom. Like that was God's intention From the beginning. So when we fight for the things that God wants, when our will lines up with the will of the kingdom, Scripture says, Ask whatever you want, and I will give it to you in my name. When we are aligned with Him, when we are walking with Him, and we are asking for Him to move, He shows up. And so let's pay attention to these things this week. Um, And then I I just want to speak about social media for a little bit. Can we talk about that a little bit? I just want to give you guys just some really practical ways to engage in social media. I am not one of those guys that thinks you need to get off of social media, that you need to run from it. But I am one of those guys who's realized that there are certain things in my life that cause a reaction out of me that aren't healthy. Um, so a few months ago, well, that was actually about a year ago. About a year ago, this is what I noticed about myself. I would wake up every morning, and I would start watching the news. And the news was all about fear. The news was all about how terrible everything was going. And every morning, I woke up anxious. Like I woke up with a tightness in my body. Um, and then I would go to Twitter. I don't know why, I was, I was really liking Twitter at that time. And I was going to Twitter Um, and and everything on Twitter was like, I don't know, how many characters is it? 216? Whatever, yeah, too many. Whatever, however many characters it is, it was all characters that made me fearful and anxious. And so I was just, I would wake up in the morning, and these were the first places I would go. I would pick up my phone, I would look at my news channels, I kind of surfed all of them to try and figure out what the truth was, which is really difficult to do, and then I would like, get on twitter and then i would just i was just anxious and so i just said i'm i'm done like i'm done with twitter i'm done with um the news i don't watch the news anymore uh there's there's newspaper articles that i will read there's things that i watch but but what it was doing to me was not a good thing because i would wake up every morning and believe that the world was falling apart and that god was not in control and that he was not good And so I needed, I'm not saying everybody needs this, I needed to fast from this stuff. And I needed to step back and say, God, you're in control. God, you're good. God, there's a lot of things happening in the world that I'm not thrilled about right now. But I'm trusting that you're working and I'm trusting that you're the king of the world. I'm trusting that you're sovereign. I'm trusting that you're good. And I'm trusting that you don't need me to fix all of this stuff. And if you do, just tell me because I pray a lot. And so I stepped away from a lot of that stuff. Um, I, I, uh, there's this thing that you can do on Facebook called unfollow. It's a really great thing. Because you're not really friends with them. It doesn't, it doesn't say you're not friends with them anymore. It doesn't reject them. It doesn't, but it just kind of says, hey, um, what you're doing is just creating anxiety and fear all the time and fighting and arguing. Anybody that posts anything that I believe is racist or, or oppressive to another People group, I just unfollow. I just say, I just don't want to see that stuff. I, you know what I want to use social media for? I want to see what Blake had for dinner. Like, that's what I, <laughs> Blake, is a, Blake is a great restaurant chooser. I want to see where the Mirandas are eating. Um, I want to see pictures of your kids' birthdays. Like, I saw some kids' birthday pictures this week. Like, I want to see those kinds of things. I want to connect with people. And so the first thing I want to say about social media is the goal is connection not attention or opinions. The goal of social media from the beginning has been for us to connect with one another. Um, and what it's turned out to be is something that divides us and pulls us apart. Um, and, and can I just say this? Like there, there are arguments that you're allowed to sit out, everybody. There are things that are happening. Um, uh, outrage is not a fruit of the Spirit. Did you know that? It's not. You know what is? Peace. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit. And so every single day, what I was doing is I was waking up and the news was telling me something else I was supposed to be outraged about. And Twitter was telling me something else I was supposed to be outraged about. And on Twitter, I followed a bunch of pastors who were like, if you're not preaching on this, this Sunday, you don't love Jesus. And I was like, I'm not preaching on that because Jesus told me to preach something else. So, like, and, and it just created this fear and anxiety and outrage. Um, we're allowed to sit some out. Ask yourself the question, would I say this in person to someone I love who disagrees with me? And if you wouldn't, don't type it. Uh, I'm always telling our basketball players, college we, we went and visited the University of Florida. Our basketball team did this year. We spent some time with the college coach. <laughs> we spent some time with the college coach there, and, and here's what he said. He said, before we recruit any player, we look through everything they've ever posted on social media. Every word that they have ever put on social media we're looking at because we want to confirm whether they are good humans or not. Same is true for a lot of jobs. Like Once you post something out there, it's out there. So be incredibly cautious, be wise and discerning about what you post. Um, Number three, don't respond in anger. Uh, Speak from the Spirit's leading, not from your own wounds. Uh, There are moments when, uh, this is wise with emails too. Uh, Anybody know the 24-hour rule on emails? You get that email that causes an emotional response in you or triggers you. Um, I'm always like, that one's not going to get answered for 24 hours. like that one will sit on the side sometimes longer than that. Um, but there's no reason to fire back a comment or fire back something like that out of anger or frustration. It just hurts people. Um, number four, don't buy into the say what you need to say culture. Um, you don't ha- listen, everybody in the room, you don't have to be the pastor of Facebook. I'm telling pastors this all the time. Like you don't have to worry about everybody else. Like, I've got a certain amount of friends on Facebook and I've got people that are like social media friends that I don't know, that I don't spend time with, that I don't know their family, I don't know their situation. The Lord has called me to shepherd this flock right here, not my social media followers. I don't need to talk to them about everything that pops into my mind. I don't need to share every one of my opinions with them. I don't need to call them out on everything. Um, but with the people that you're doing life with, we do need to have those conversations. We do need to sit down and talk with one another sometimes. We do need to say, hey, I'm concerned about this, or I saw this, or this, made, this gave me pause, or this, this made me nervous for you, and I wanna talk about this. Let's spend some time talking about that. Um, sit with people, eat meals with people. Have coffee, like these are good things. Uh, Learn to listen and learn when to let it go. The posture of listening is really important. I don't think anything gets worked out in the comments section. I just don't think it does. Um, But I do think we can learn to listen. I do think we need to read articles and, and, and study things that are opinions that are different than us. I think we need to look at both sides of disagreements and pay attention to them. I think we need to be astute in, in not just what do I believe and not entrenched in this is what I'm told to believe and what I have to believe, but we're actually paying attention and we're learning and listening. So when you're talking with somebody who you highly disagree with about something, it's great to be the one who's not saying, I disagree with you and here's the five reasons I'm right. It's great to just say, man, I'd, I don't agree with you, but I'd love to hear your perspective on it. Like, let's talk about this. And then at some point in the conversation, you might be able to say, Could I share my perspective on this? Could I share what I've learned about this? Could I share where I stand on this? Rather than just shouting back and forth and going at each other. Number five, avoid fear-based pot stirring. Um, There is no reason to post just crazy things that make people scared and afraid. There's no reason for you, like some of you love to stir the pot. Like you're just like, ha, 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 ha this is gonna get my Uncle Don fired up and you're typing it in there. Everybody's got a weird uncle that's posting crazy political things right now, don't you? Uh, I do. I've got like four of them. Um, it's like, I'm gonna post this and this is gonna stir the pot. Don't do that. Don't do that. It doesn't accomplish anything. And then lastly is, is asking this question. Is it kind? Is it true? Is it helpful? And is it necessary? That's, that's my filter before I speak anything, and before I send an email, or before I send something on Facebook, is it kind? Uh, what, what does Scripture says lead us to, to repentance? It's, it's not our opinions. It's not our moral ability to outwit people. It's the kindness that leads us to repentance. Is it kind? Is it true? Which just good to pay attention to. Stop posting articles that aren't true. Stop posting articles that are from weird sources that no one else has ever heard of and believing they're true. Like, like if you're going to post something, make sure it's true. Do your work on it. Um, is it helpful? Is this actually helping anything? Is this going to solve anything? Or is this just going to make me feel better because I press that button? And is it necessary? Is it necessary that I post this? Do I need to post this? Is the spirit of the living God saying, post that article that tells those people that you're right? Or could I sit this one out? Um, I really, I, I, some of you look exhausted about my social media talk here, and that's all right. We're, we're gonna wrap up in a second. But I really do think that right now, what we're doing on social media is giving Christians a really bad look. I just, I'm embarrassed, guys. I'm embarrassed at the way I see Christians talking to one another in the comments section. I'm embarrassed by the way I see people fighting and arguing and battling it out. I just want to call us to a better place. Um, Jesus hated a lot of things, but he never hated people. He spoke the truth often, but when he did, it was always full of grace and love. And he knew how to fight his battles and what battles that God was asking him to fight. There are battles, I believe this without a shadow of a doubt, there are battles that the Holy Spirit of God is asking you to fight. And then there's others that he's saying, "It's okay, can I take care of that one? Uh, What's happening is it's like a backpack. We wake up in the morning and we just keep putting more battles that we have to fight in our backpack and more anxiety and more fear in our backpack and eventually we're walking around exhausted with the weight of the world because we cannot solve the problems of the world. And I believe this is a cultural moment. We have an opportunity to show what grace and truth really is. We have an opportunity to model the Jesus way. C.S. Lewis said there's always a third way. And the polarized thinking, there's us versus them, and Jesus' way is often the third way. And it's always, always the way of love. So can we be a people that walk in the way of love? Can we be a people who model a different way? Can we be a people who who learn to have people over for dinner and have conversations and talk about tough things but do it in love and grace and honor? Can we model the way to disagree with one another right now? I think we can. So we're going to come to the table and as we come to the table, we're gonna take communion, and as we take communion, we're just gonna stop and just take some time to just reflect. And, and, and I really do want you to reflect on, Lord, are there some ways that I've been attacking that you don't want me to attack? Are there some ways that I've been avoiding conversations or things that I'm supposed to talk about or deal with that I, that I, need, to, I need to change? Or is there something in me where I have judged a person or a people group, I've told stories about them that I'm not supposed to tell? And would you constantly convict me to love like you? Would you constantly teach me when I'm called to speak the truth and when I'm called to sit it out? Will you teach me what's kind and what's good? And will you teach me to love like you? My my constant prayer, guys, is Lord, give me eyes to see like you see. Give me ears to hear what you hear. Give me hands to touch and heal. Give me a mouth that speaks grace and truth and love and give me mercy along the way. And so, Heavenly Father, we pray for that. We pray that you give us our eyes to see our enemies. I pray that you would break our hearts for our enemies. I pray that we would begin to see their, the woundedness in their fighting, that we would begin to see the hurt underneath the anger, that we would begin to see the, 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 the pain that exists beneath the annoyingness, and that we would begin to have compassion and empathy for them. And I pray that we would be a people who love one another with your love and with your kindness and with your mercy, but I also pray that when the time comes and you ask us to stand in truth, that we will be courageous and strong and true. And so give us wisdom, Lord. Give us discernment. Teach us not to fall to fear and load up our backpack with more and more stuff, but teach us to love over and over over again every single day every single moment every single person we encounter teach us to love as you love it's in your holy name we pray amen let's come to the table let's take communion and let's worship together